This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 20th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The pandemic brought with it a relaxing suspension or cancellation of regulations governing all sorts of activity. So what reforms stuck around? And what prohibitions are coming back as states of emergency expire? Ray Hederman is vice president of the Buckeye Institute in Ohio. We spoke at the Cato Institute's State Health Policy Summit earlier this month. As the pandemic was taking hold in March of uh, 2020, February and March of 2020 in the United States, uh, it became increasingly clear that a lot of structures that states had established, uh, regulatory structures, were not serving people well. That's a dramatic understatement, of course. And... uh, you know, we d- documented with uh, with my uh, Cato Institute colleagues and others that uh, a lot of these regulations, a lot of these rules were not necessary to begin with, uh, but they were so many of them were temporarily removed or uh, loosened during the pandemic to accommodate, you know, the, the medical needs, healthcare needs. It, you could have liquor delivered you could drive away with liquor from uh certain uh from mixed drinks from some places and things like that uh but in in the healthcare space what did we see states do yeah so uh if you remember the march of 2020 during the pandemic uh, states have a lot of uh, authority over who can practice medicine in their states. Uh, they still states uh, regulate everything from the number of hospitals, hospital beds, to doctors, to nurses, and states responded very dramatically uh, in response to the pandemic. In fact, I would probably argue in the two-year period since uh, it, we've seen the biggest changes in some healthcare laws uh, uh, ever in the direction of freedom. Uh, For example, all 50 states all of a sudden allowed telehealth in their state borders. Uh, States that have what we call scope of practice that basically regulates what procedures uh, nurses or doctors can do. Most states waive that. Uh, States basically uh, put out a clarion call saying we need to bring more health care providers into cities, into our states to do business. And so suddenly they were rolling out the welcome mat to out-of-state providers. Uh, So, for example, if you were a doctor in Florida... Uh, a lot of times you couldn't go across the border uh, and practice in Georgia or Alabama. But during the emergency, you know, they said, let's do that. And you can remember kind of pictures of, uh, of nurses, uh, EMT specialists flying into New York City when they had their COVID problems. Many times state laws prevent healthcare providers to going to a place of emergencies. Um, and states did that through mostly executive orders, regulatory emergency orders uh, during the pandemic. And all but 10 of those have expired. Of course, we're still under a national health emergency, but uh, most states ended their state health emergencies back in 2021, 2022. And as a consequence, some of these uh, regulatory relief that was enacted during the pandemic has ended. And so the welcome mat is being rolled back up unless the states took specific action to ensure these barriers from out-of-state physician licensing recognition laws, telehealth, uh, con, uh, certificate of need uh, waivers were made permanent. So you're in Ohio, I'm in Kentucky. 
Uh, I, I remember our governor, you know, rapidly loosening a bunch of rules under uh, taking executive action, which, uh, depending on which rules he was loosening, his the Republican uh, legislature uh, either bristled or uh, grudgingly let it happen or cheered. Uh, but one of the things that uh, at least our governor never did was loosen any certificate of need requirements, and even our legislature seems fairly timid about uh, trying to make that uh, creating new health facilities easier. Yeah, you know, um, which puts Kentucky in kind of a minority of what most states did. Again, what a certificate of need does is basically says uh, you cannot build a new healthcare facility from an emergency services to a fully functioning hospital to a birthing center unless you can show a need, get it approved by regulators. Um, and then there are other certificate of needs that said you cannot add, you know, capacity to your existing healthcare facility. And the majority of states with these type of certificate of need laws did loosen, did waive. So, for example, your emergency room could grow very quickly in response to the patient influx. And uh, we've seen some research has come out of this and saying, look, states that loosen their con laws had uh, better health outcomes, lower mortality rates than a state that basically said, no, we're not going to give uh, hospitals more freedom to respond to emergency by deciding how many uh, ER beds, what type of facilities they need. And so this is one of those situations where, you know, public health regulations has a negative consequence that's magnified during a pandemic. Because, I mean, Caleb, as, we, as you probably talked about, there's tons of research out there already that shows certificate of need has al adverse health outcomes. And during a pandemic, when you your ability to be mobile and how you're responding, how you're being able to triage patients is restricted, well, that's just going to make the problems worse and outcomes worse for your patients. So what in, in terms of these emergency orders that have expired or are expiring, what ought to be the fat targets for state lawmakers to say, we never needed this regulation to begin with? Yeah, well, let's start with the easy ones. As I said, every state uh, basically said, we're going to allow telehealth. You know, we're going to expand our access to telehealth. Um, and so some states, for example, would say telehealth is completely uh, outlawed. Uh, you have to meet with an in-person physician before you can use telehealth. You know, when you're an elderly person or even people who weren't allowed out of their houses in certain situations, well, telehealth was the only option. So it makes sense, you know, for a lot of states to go back and say, uh, let's put these rules permanently on the books. Um, let's make sure that patients should be able to see the provider of their choosing and kind of how they want uh, to see that provider. You know, if they just want virtual visits only because they want to see a specialist that's a 200 miles away, opposite of the corner, state should allow that, make that permanent. The other thing we're seeing in telehealth is, you know, uh, we see still those state borders, you know, somehow providing a obstacle uh, to care. And so you might be able to see a, a physician 200 miles away in your state. But if you're crossing the border, you know, between Cincinnati and Louisville, 60, 60 miles apart, you can't do that. You cannot get a second opinion because you're crossing state lines. So, you know, allowing telehealth laws where patients can see a provider, even another state for second opinion, I think that is uh, going to be one of the next frontiers of the telehealth battle. Uh, the other thing, Caleb, is, uh, again, going back to some of these uh, licensing for out-of-state nurses 
and doctors. Um, again, you know, we allow people to come in for emergencies. Uh, you see positive health outcomes. You know, if, it, if it's good enough to come in and treat when things are bad through a pandemic, a national disaster, you know, we should let some of these patients be able to come in regularly to be able to fulfill healthcare needs. So, you know, Ohio, for example, took what we learned in the pandemic and now uh, joined the Nurses Compact, which means if you're a licensed nurse, you can come into Ohio and practice. Unfortunately, there are some states that basically will force nurses uh, to get more schooling, take more tests. And really what that does is that drives down the supply of nurses that are going to come work in your state. And of course, in, in other contexts, I've discussed this here uh, as we record this at the Cato Institute State Health Policy Summit in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, the, the follow-on effects for people who are trying to consume regular Healthcare services, either through a physician, not necessarily from a nurse practitioner, that makes the line longer. And it makes the time that you spend with the physician that you end up do seeing shorter. Not only that, Caleb, but remember, you know, what happens when you have less supply of something, the price goes up, right? So, I mean, that's one of the factors is that if you're reducing the amount of medical professionals that can see patients, uh, that'll make your visits more expensive, that'll make it much harder for those in rural areas to see the care that they need. And that's why you see a lot of movement, you know, to basically help bring in nurse practitioners to some of these rural areas where you do not have a licensed physician. And when you have these state barriers, when you have some of these copus practice laws, you're really hurting those people in rural areas that have a much harder time seeing trained professionals. So uh, for state lawmakers, just to recap, uh, what should they be focused on as legislative sessions are rolling up right now? Yeah. So I think, you know, as we said, you know, going from kind of easiest to hardest, I think, you know, telehealth, taking, making sure that people can see the providers uh, in your state. Then the next step is seeing people in other states uh, is step one. The second thing is making it easier for licensed medical providers to come into your state to practice. Uh, you can look at licensing reciprocity and recognition bills, joining the nurses compact. Uh, there's going to be discussion of advanced nurse practitioner compacts as well. Using those to make sure that uh, your state is rolling out that welcome mat and saying, hey, look, we want to bring in trained providers to come meet the needs of our state. And then I think, you know, taking a look uh, at certificate of need laws, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, do these laws of the purposes. And unfortunately, a lot of cases, as we talked about, the research is they restrict competition, they drive up costs, they deny opportunity. So taking a look at rolling back some of those con laws there, those are building on a lot of the proactive reforms that we saw that, that states had control over and that they basically blew up some of the existing regulatory laws to bring in as many providers as they could. You know, the other things is to take a look at is, for example, a lot of times they said, if you, somebody's just graduated from medical school, let's rush you into the front lines. Uh, let's take a look at, if you're a nurse, reducing the amount of years you have to work for a physician before maybe you can go out on your own. Being able to build on what worked during the pandemic Making those laws permanent through regular order can boost the supply of healthcare, drive down costs, and make it easier for patients to see providers. We have so many uh, great case studies 
uh, across the nation of how states responded, how localities uh, responded. And what we're seeing is a lot of these regulatory barriers that existed for so long were not serving patients well and is one of the reasons that American healthcare prices uh, have remained elevated. Ray Hederman is vice president at the Ohio-based Buckeye Institute. We spoke at the Cato Institute's State Health Policy Summit earlier this month. Feel free to both subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 